Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane. My company is Voice Matters. And I am here, of course, with my wonderful co-host, Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. And we are joined today by another fellow solo, which we are so excited about. It is Lisa Gerber. Lisa is a fellow solo, and she is the owner of Big Leap Creative, where she is a story strategist and communications expert who also has a podcast called Breaking Trail. Uh, she works with purpose-driven leaders who want to make the world a better place, and she helps them articulate their ideas and get others on board. Story is the catalyst for change in Lisa's line of work. And when she helps others make their idea of change happen, she amplifies her own desire to save the planet. We like people with big goals like that. (laughs) In in 2004, Lisa left her dream job as director of marketing at a ski resort to start Big Leap Creative, which was her own big leap, if you will. Uh, When she's not in the office or with us on the podcast, she might be out skiing, trail running or mountain biking with her husband and dogs that's where she does her best creative work which as solos welcome lisa that's what we say do your best work the way that works for you we're so happy to have you here we're so happy and i want to add one note for our listeners lisa is a complete and total rock star who will energize you and inspire you within 10 minutes of spending time with her. And she also is very distinguished. She's a sought after speaker who has shared the stage with Michelle Obama. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, (laughs) okay, that's a, I'll, I'll accept that. That's a stretch. We were at the same event for sure. <laughs> but I, I love the, to me, that's well, sharing. Hey. Yeah, especially in this invited yes. speaker. And that's right. Absolutely. One of the other speakers is Michelle Obama. It is a big deal. I would actually like probably make a badge out of it. And it would be like, <laughs> I'd have a frame around Facebook and I would tell everybody I know, like I was a speaker at the same event as Michelle Obama. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> we shared the same green room. <laughs> oh my God. It's pretty amazing. Speak at the that same event. pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you, you do inspire us, Lisa. Not not to make you well, crazy. Thank you. I know. This here. Is a, an amazing introduction and start to my morning Hi. here early uh, here on the West Coast. Thanks, yes. both, Michelle and Karen, for having me. Well, hey, thanks for kicking off your day with us. Um, you know, we definitely want to talk about how story is a driving force in your work while we're here. But we also what really spurred this. I mean, we knew we wanted to have you as a guest, but. One of your recent blog posts really touched us, which was the battle with time, which was mm-hmm. from that bittersweet space, you know, with your dad. Um, mm-hmm. So we do thank you for talking about that with us because we oh, know yeah. it's, it's very personal. But, you know, as solo as we have the freedom to work when and where and how we want, which is great. But the way you talk about dealing with that, that dilemma, you, mm-hmm. you said it so well in the post saying the battle with time is between two players, ambition and happiness and how... Mm-hmm. You know, as much as familial obligations draw us and compel us at the same time, you know, it's like, well, there's a lot of work going on and, you know, I'm hitting my stride. And so you mentioned a decision making process that was involved with that. I don't I don't know if that's something you'd 
care to touch on? Sure. Well, one thing I think we can all probably agree on is ever since I started my own business in 2004, it's like there's always a level of stress. Like I'm either stressed because I'm not busy or I'm stressed because I am busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Agree. there's always something going on. Um, yeah. So that's something, you know, what now it's been 17 years for me that I've been more and more aware of and more and more trying to find my sort of balance with with that. Because obviously you can't just be living with stress all the time. That's not why we did this, why we struck out on our own. And when my father... When his illness turned for the worse and I knew I didn't know, I felt like I needed, well, I guess we should give some background for those who haven't read the post is that, um, you know, my father had been diagnosed with cancer and, you know, he lived with it for, for many years until it turned for the worse. And he lived in Florida. I live up here in Idaho and he always downplayed everything, right? So he was admitted into the hospital is the short story. And this is when I was starting to think we we need to do something. We need to get him up North with family in Boston. And um, I have so much going on and things are going really well with work. And I, you know, but I I can't, you know, I just don't have time for this. Right. Um, And he, of course, is like, it's not, it's fine. They're going to let me out on Monday and blah, blah, blah. So that's when I had to make the decision. Is this serious enough for me to go down there? And um, do I set my work aside for that? Which is the really hard decision. So I did do it. I did go down there. And he was released from the hospital much worse than I had imagined I couldn't, I just, it was essential that I be there. And then to make this road trip, I was going to, you know, have my brother drive him back up to Boston and I was just going to send them off, pack up his apartment and send them off to go live out the rest of his days at my, you know, which could be another year. We don't, you don't know when you get to this stage. So it was at that point that I also decided I'm going to do this road trip with them up north in the middle of the pandemic by the way we left that part out that this was right in this was in early april 2020 when the entire world was shut down and so now we're going to take my father the remainder of his things his cat my brother we're going to drive from florida up to boston um my father not in a good space at all and yeah. um yeah to set aside work was a hard choice to make in hindsight. If I had not done that, I don't know how I could live with myself. Right. And that is the crux of it. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's stressful enough, but to toss in the pandemic, you know, I I know you like a challenge, but for real. I mean, seriously, (laughs) it was so eerie, even flying from, from here, from the West Coast down to Florida. Like I went through Detroit on um, Saturday afternoon and I took a video. I actually posted it there wasn't a soul in the terminal. The restaurants were all closed. There were, all the gates were empty. There were no employees. I walked from one end to the other until I got to my gate and there was a person working there and three people sitting at the gate. On a Saturday afternoon in the Detroit airport, it was the eeriest thing in the world. It was also kind of a blessing because driving in the road trip, there was no one, no one on the roads. And we had, you know, we were able to 
stop at rest areas. I had food packed for us so that we didn't have to go into restaurants. We didn't have to go into restrooms. We used the woods. I got poison ivy. <laughs> no. No. You left that out when when you when I heard the story last. <laughs> oh, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Good times. This this road trip ended up being the memory of a lifetime. It was we pulled off when we got to Washington D.C. and we did a little detour through the city because there was no traffic, so we could we just like cruise through and looked at the monuments and stuff. And it was it was cool. We drove through New York City like across uh, whatever bridge that would have been on our way up to Boston. And there's no slowdowns, no traffic. So in a wow. sense, it was great. We were able to just like fast track up there and yeah. get my dad into a good place. I spent the weekend. And then it was Easter Sunday and, you know, with my brother and his family and got the cat settled in. And, um, you know, my, my father, it was, he was there for six weeks before he passed away on um, May 23rd. So it was, um, the timing couldn't have been better. And I just left with the sense that I did what I needed to do. And thank God I did not prioritize work. You know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I think, you know, Lisa, I've I've read the story, and then you and I have had private conversations, and you've shared that story, and it moves me every time. Hearing it now, though, you know, a year after, you know, of of more than a year being in this pandemic, and thinking about so many of the life changes, you know, I, I'm struck by a few things. Number one, during the pandemic, life didn't stop. So we still were faced mm-hmm. with these big life changes and things that were happening that sometimes had nothing to do with COVID. Um, losing a parent, and and I know that you have a close-knit family. Um, if, if you guys don't follow Lisa on social, they're family holiday photos are epic. <laughs> they will make you say, can they, can they adopt me? Can I be part of this awesome family? So, you know, you, you talked about that decision, you know, do I prioritize work over life? And I think as solos, we always struggle with those decisions because we want to show up for our business. We want to, to be good stewards of this thing that we've created. Sometimes there's also a little bit of fear. If I let go, what will happen? Making that decision, did you did that cascade into a different perspective for you in your business? And and how how does that inform like how you practice today? Because you do seem in a different, better place, even pre, you know, pandemic. Yeah. Well, I do what you made me think when you were just asking that question is that one thing our clients engage with us to do the work and they have empathy for what's going on in our world for sure, but to a deg- only to a degree, right? We need to get the work done for them. And so I'm always sort of, I think that's the balance right there is um, in this case, they understood that my father was at his end, end of life, but there are a lot of life dramas that come into our world that shouldn't be our clients' problems. And so we have to kind of work through that. You know, I recall a time where, you know, I was in my grandmother's hospital room with my laptop on her legs and, you know, having a conference call with a client because they don't care that my grandmother is ill. 
We need to get the stuff done. So that's the constant struggle that we, we don't have other people usually that we can rely on. So we can't always be every time something comes up, sometimes we have to work through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel that for me, the shift this past year is really leaning into the fluidity and not making work a silo, you know, not making it like work is in this box and life is in this box, but understanding that I have a whole life and work is a part of my life, not my whole life, but it's a part of my life. And thinking of it that way allows me, as Chip is saying, to lean into the flexibility and freedom on a daily basis. And so when those times happen where work has to take a little more priority, it's not that big of a deal. And if life has to take a little more priority, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I think also understanding that the work can always get done. And you're right. Clients could care less at the end of the day how the sausage gets made. They just want to eat. Um, so if that means <laughs> in other people to make the sausage because you can't, that's really okay. As long as the quality is there and the results are there, they could care less. Um, it's why I'm, you know, really pushing back against people who feel like they have to have, you know, the traditional office hours. Who said that? Nobody cares, you know? And to me, it's like, I, I can go run off to the, you know, for a hike in the woods with my dog in the middle of the day, because I always have my phone. I have my office with me. If something urgent happens that I need to respond to, I can respond to it, but I don't have to sit at my desk from eight to five because somebody 50 years ago decided that was a good idea. Right. <laughs> I, I think too, the pandemic has, it's a way of saying it, kind of even the playing field as far as personal time and work time. You know, it's kind of human, it's humanized everyone. You know, we've all been thrown into these virtual situations where, you know, we were chatting about this before we started recording of, you know, we're, we're coming as we are for the most part. You know, at this point, no one cares. It was a funny example of that. I had a chamber marketing meeting this morning and and one of the attendees who normally is working from their office since we reconvened was working from their home office for the first time. So it was their first personal time dealing with their dogs barking and they were over apologetic and the rest of us were like, Oh, we're so over it. Just whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, you're new here. Okay. (laughs) And you know, exactly. Keep going. going. No, 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 please go ahead. That the pandemic hasn't really pre pandemic. It was the same. It was the same for us, but we were, juggling everything we had the flexibility so that hasn't changed anything but culturally it has changed everyone and and I think that that's really cool so for example I this office where I am the bedroom door is right there and I alerted my husband it's early here so I said I'm going to be on a podcast and there's going to be video and he's like well how am I going to be able to walk out I was like you just walk out and you walk across. It's no big deal. Yeah. Like yeah. people walk across the background of Zooms all the time. There's like no issue there. Full we'll wave to him. <laughs> just make sure you have clothes on. Yeah. Well, can I tell you that I have been treated to a client's husband walking across in a bathrobe? And I'm like, thank you for wearing a robe. Like, <laughs> as long as you have on, you know, pants. 
I don't care. I, I could, it's like, whatever, we have lives and there are people in our lives and they're not always going to play by the same rules as we do. And, and that's okay. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I watched um, and that Actors on Actors uh, little live stream that Kaylee Coco does. And um, I can't remember the actress that she was interviewing, but she had to do this video in her bathroom. And I thought, yeah, because that's okay. Because they yeah. were having work done and it was noisy. And, and so her husband had sort of did set design on the, on the bathroom and it was really <laughs> cute, but she was clearly in her bathroom. That is great. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I have to say, I have to, I have to concur that your, your social is amazing. And I know I personally have always been inspired by your Instagram posts, especially that summer you went to France so you know, you you to to us, you're living that solo's dream. And what what nugget or two did you learn from those experiences that can you know help push the rest of us into? Yeah, why why can't I do that? I can. Yes, that was the year I turned fifty, and I wanted to spend a month. I I want to spend two months. I got one month. That's okay. I'll take it. That's all right. Yeah, France and. Oh. It was awesome. So I will tell you, there were a few things. Um, first of all, I encourage everyone to do it. It's not as I, I gave my, I knew three or four years in advance that we were going to do this. So lots of things had been in the works before that. Clients were alerted, but I were hopefully not going to be affected because I was going to continue to work. And um, we found a little place in the countryside in the southwest of France. Lesson number one, make sure you have really awesome internet and a backup because that was our problem. We got there and countries operate different than ours. Um, even in our own country, we have internet outages, but this one yeah. lasted for like the whole time we were there pretty much. So that was a massive, massive setback. Um, what was the other thing is you're going to work a lot less than you think you are. <laughs> because, because France. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's self-explanatory at this point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. There's a bottle of wine calling my name. <laughs> I'm done in that. France, in France, and I'm and dealing with this. Yeah. It's like, mm, I think there's more yeah. important things I can be doing, but the work got yeah. done. Everybody was fine. And I got to spend a month there and it was, it was amazing. Oh, and what a tr yeah, to be, I, I wonder, do you both, are you sort of geographically independent in your work? Pretty much. Do you yeah. have to be on site for I things? Mean, oh, no, I, no, not at all. The for, thing for that me, keeps me grounded is my fur baby. <laughs> yes. For, for me, I, I have one yeah. client that I do in-person events for from time to time. But, you know, but outside of that, people can always be hired to do that, right? So it's it's not like it's a firm thing. Yeah. yeah so and I'm not. I'm completely, in terms of that, I have the freedom to be location independent. I really could work from anywhere. I've started mm -hmm. to take advantage of that a little bit more, but only as far as our car will take us because I don't want to leave my yeah. fur baby behind. So sure. Yeah. Which yes, has exactly. been the way it is the past year. And um, 
yeah. by either you can't even go internationally, can't even go to Canada right now. No. And so we've yeah. been discovering places within a four or five hour drive of here. I've lived here for 20 years in towns and areas I have never been to because yeah. I have no other choice. But, oh, let's go see what's over yeah. here. Yeah, which exactly. Is cool part of you find to explore your state and, and, yeah. and discover like, oh, wow, there's things. Wow, this is really nice, actually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, I'm going off to France when Lost Trail Montana is right over the, you know, right yeah. over there. An amazing place to visit. Exactly. <laughs> still go to France when things are nice and super okay. normal, because I will. And my fur baby will be able to live without me while I'm traveling. But for now, I'm good with being home with her. <laughs> or where, wherever we are on the road together. <laughs> She's so cute. So cute. She is something. <laughs> Little Miss Southern Belle. <laughs> well, another thing with that we love about Lisa is that the way she brings the best of both worlds in her work, in your work, Lisa, you have that keen digital savvy, right? Yeah. And, you know, where everyone's data, data, data. But mm. you bring it back around to storytelling, you know, how... How do you maneuver that with your clients? I'm like, yeah, that is great, but we still need to create feelings. Yes. And that's really where I've gone more and more into that and moved away from the data, just not not to detract from the importance of doing our best to track and measure it, but especially in the nonprofit world where I've evolved in the past five years, is is organizations who are working so hard to get people to care about their thing and not able to do it. And to see that they're just, you know, if you look at their stuff, what they're talking about, it's, it's, there's so much potential for them. And they're talking about the things that matter to them and not understanding why it's not getting others on board. And so it's making that emotional connection and really trying to break down what does that mean? Because we use these words all the time, right? We use talk about telling a story and making an emotional connection, but what does that really mean? But when we talk about, you know, you're making a case and you've got all of these stats and all of this data about why your, you know, whatever it is, your cause is such a problem in the world right now and needs to be fixed. And then to use story to breathe life into one those numbers, just with a couple examples. So lately I've been doing these talks, and, uh, virtual presentations at conferences right, and, and workshops to teams. And if you get a whole bunch of people on a Zoom grid and we're all looking in gallery view, and sometimes you have like 150 people on your session, and I'll do a breakout where I will ask everyone to grab a prop and to tell the story of why they do what they do, incorporating this prop that's nearby. You know, usually they have a picture of a, you know, a kid or some, something near their desk that means something to them. And I send them into breakout rooms of three people and they do it for a few minutes. And then we come back and talk about how that worked for them. And then I ask them if it shifted the energy in the space, learning about two other people in this grid of, 2D faces, this Brady Bunch grid. And now it's brought to life through two people that you didn't know before and how much a story shifts the energy like that. And so then to help them 
do the same thing with our organization. Letha, um, I love that. And I, I think that what you're doing is adding structure around something that I believe all communicators want to do, we all understand the importance of the storytelling and the narrative and really moving people to action. I mean, it's part of what we're supposed to do on behalf of clients. But I I think that people bump up against the challenge of clients not being comfortable with telling those stories. And so they tend to want to fall in that mode of saying what everybody else is saying and not looking too different and using the same kind of words and the same kind of framework. And it's so boring. You know, I I don't know how many, I have these conversations all the time. Like, and I've really started, you know, I've been in business for 16 years, so I could care less at this point. I, I know enough to know that clients come and go and, um, not being truthful and completely honest is is not going to hold on to a client. And so I think I'm right. bolder than year 16 than I was in year one, for sure. So I'll tell yeah. people it's boring. No, no one cares about that. I get that you care deeply about these words, but no one else cares. It's, it's just, it, ugh. or else yeah. Karen, stupid jargon. What does this even mean? <laughs> The so Karen, what I have to tell you, you gave me, this is the perfect metaphor for what we were talking about before we went live with my hair and I ah. used to color it and straighten it so that I had like this, what I thought I had to be like this polished professional look so that I fit in. And then I stopped, I went natural. I'd, you know, for those who aren't on the video, it's, it's gray, Gorgeous. it's curly. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's a mess. It's ridiculous. It was an emotional roller coaster for me. And now I get people, strangers, stopping me and complimenting me about it. But before, I never got anything when I was doing all the work for it. It's the exact same thing. Yes. And yes. we get clients who are, you know, they, they talk about privacy issues and, you know, I get Ugh. it. You know, sometimes we have, you know, we're in healthcare, we're in, in um, abuse situations and we can't right. use names and we can't, there's ways around that, but it is right. so right. critical not to whitewash it, not right. to, yeah, yeah. just a gloss. You know, it's, I find, and, you know, help us with this. I find that people sometimes make it way more complicated than it needs to be. And it's almost like they're afraid. Totally. Simple because they feel like it makes them seem less smart, less expert. And so they'll throw like, if you hear the word platform one more time, I'm going to (laughs) scream my head off and go running down the street. What does that even mean to 99% of the country? What does that mean? What does platform even mean? A platform is... What? What is that? What's the benefit? What's the, you know, but, you know, I deal with a lot of technology clients and they're, they're enamored of these terms because their colleagues Mm -hmm. are throwing them around and they lose sight of your audience doesn't care and the media definitely doesn't care. So what does that mean? And, and breaking it down, like, I think, you know, that old adage that you need to be able to, a five-year-old should be able to understand it. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah. good thing. Simple is sometimes so powerful, yeah. so powerful to just be plain mm-hmm. spoken and simple and use real words and not feel like you are a contestant on Jeopardy. This is not Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy, <laughs> but it's not Jeopardy. 
And, and I think so, sometimes too, they're so close to it and they think, well, I have to make it more because I live with it and it's just, eh, or everyone's heard it. Well, no, they haven't heard it. Right. Absolutely. Way. And they're not paying that close attention to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. No one's thinking about you all the time. Yeah, sorry. exactly. So repetition is also good, even if they have heard it. I can hardly blame people for making it more complicated than it is because a lot of when you read about, you know, brand storytelling and there's the 12 steps and following the hero's journey and, and you know, all these elements and components and this massive, you know, format that you have to use. And I really, I, I talk about a much simpler approach. First of all, we speak in story all the time. We're telling stories. Everybody is a storyteller. And we're not creating these uh, literary masterpieces. I'm <laughs> reversing my words. It's not Canterbury Tales. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would argue that the story that you're telling is more important than how you tell it. And that's the thing is so often we're just telling the wrong stories. We're talking about how, and, and and sometimes they're not even a story. It's just like we've been around for this many years and we've won these kinds of awards and we're a 501c3 and this is our mission and that's full of jargon. Yeah. And we're not asking the right <laughs> questions that evoke the right stories that yeah. are what yeah. our people want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually, yeah, I have a whole process where you like ask the questions internally to, 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 discover what stories are most effective, which Ooh. we probably don't so have for our communicators out there, I think I'm hearing that the advice to them is to not be afraid to push past this complicated jargon or the client feeling that they need to mirror everybody else. And you, you've got to take that step of helping to create the breakthrough where you are showing them how the power of real storytelling. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do that, you know, quickly by just redefining their story in a way that I would tell it. And then they go, oh, oh that's amazing. Can you be our <laughs> spokesperson? And I'm like, I can help you to do this for yourself. How's that? Even better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's... You. <laughs> I, I think it's important too to, to reassert with, you know, some clients, either they forget or they don't realize the power of what emotional reaction are we, not not to be manipulative, but what are we trying to evoke from these prospects when they hear the story? How is this going to make you feel? You know, I, I work with some clients where, you know, it's a product, we're selling product, but it's not so much that, well, this thing works this way. It's, oh, I can feel the breeze on my face. Yes. When I'm, you know, using yeah. this product and oh that's going to remind me of that time when that song came on the radio and and mm-hmm. a lot of times it, it takes a little bit of coaching to get them to say oh okay <laughs> it's yeah. not just that's, about buy my thing that's right it's about asking the right questions and yeah. reframing the question i actually just did a video on this you know if the person that you're talking to that you're trying to get the story out of is too in too much jargon they're being very technical or just not giving you what you want and you want to get more emotional. Like you said, Michelle, get into the feelings. So how did it make you feel after, before, you know, that kind of thing. Just keep re-asking the question to reframe so that they 
give you something that's of use to the story. Give us something to work with, people. (laughs) Come on, work with me here. Corporate of companies, really, and and I I would say down to each employee level, people do want you to feel something about their brand. They really do, because if you work there, you want to be excited about working there. You want to feel proud. And there are certain things that you want people to feel, remember when they see your brand name, when they buy your service or product. So everybody wants that at the core. They just aren't able to, I think, articulate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So Mm -hmm. true. Well, before we wrap things up with you, Lisa, we need to know what's been, you probably can't choose one favorite, but what's been your favorite project or adventure to date? This could be personal or professional. And it's okay if Mm. it's still going to France. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> go with your gut. Go with your gut. Yeah. Well, I am. I am. Oh, I totally have it. I have a, a project with a um, animal welfare organization that um, they inc- asked me to help rebrand, rename them because they wow. were no longer. Um, they used to be called Panhandle Animal Shelter, but animal welfare has changed a lot, you may know. And yeah. it's not just about animals in cages anymore. And so they wanted to stop being identified as a shelter. And Panhandle meant the Panhandle of Idaho, but they were no longer geographically constrained because they help um, all over the Northwest. So um, went through a whole renaming process. And I am not a naming professional, but it's just like a title to your story. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we, um, they are now Better Together Animal Alliance because oh, we're all that. better Sweet. together. And I am super, super proud of this project. And it was just so great to see their you know, name and signage around and, and all that stuff. Oh, so, I love oh, it. That's pretty fulfilling. That is great. It's something that is that you're passionate about too because... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm now on the board of that organization. Now that that's all done, they've asked me to join their board. And yeah, obviously animals are the best. They They are. are They are. We are all animal parents here on the solo (laughs) life today. And aren't we all better together because of it? Oh, you know it. (laughs) You know it. Oh, my goodness. Well, gosh, Lisa, we can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. We could go on and on and on. I know, I could. (laughs) We definitely need to have you back. Maybe do a storytelling, you know, uh, webinar with us because I think our audience would definitely benefit from your wisdom. I would love to do that. That would be so much fun. I missed all of you solos. Yeah. (laughs) This group is the best. Yeah. 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 I mean, to to our listeners, if you work for yourself or even if you have a micro agency, and this is not a sales pitch at all, it's just literally comes from the heart. Solo PR Pro is probably the best thing I know I've ever done professionally because you get to sit among smart people like Lisa Mm -hmm. and Karen and so many other people to be named who selflessly give of their knowledge because I mean like your animal alliance we all know we're better together the profession is viewed better if we all do our best and it's just phenomenal so that's my little oh my gosh having a tribe is so so important just cannot be understated 
Overstated yeah, cannot absolutely. be overstated. There you go. <laughs> As, as as I was saying, as I was saying to a friend today, we're like, is it Blur's Day? What day is it? None of us know. But we're getting the work yeah. done, and that's what matters. And <laughs> making sure our personal lives are cared for too. So that's the moral of this story today. But we we do thank everyone for joining us, and especially Lisa for joining us. And it's just wonderful to be together in this episode. And uh, so please do share it around because I think this one especially is worthy of that. And until next time, thanks for joining us on that solo life. Thank you.